Thank you, thank you, thank you. You're far too kind for tuning in once again to the Ball on Blast podcast. It's episode 13. I'm still Sheldon Alexander here, as always, with my guy, Andrew Webster. Webby, what's good, my dude? Hey, man, another week, just another full slate. Looks like we got uh, NBA All-Star starters announced tonight. That's pretty exciting. Just a lot of contention around the league. People... People get their panties in a bunch. <laughs> There's a lot of beef going on in the NBA, and we're obviously going to go through the quote-unquote fights in the NBA that's gone on this season. A heated battle between the Clippers and the Houston Rockets. The Cavs are imploding in front of our eyes. We got the Raptors, who had an up-and-down week, but they extend their collabo with Drake and OVO. Tons of stuff in the Feed Me segment. I don't even know if we have enough time to fit in all the stuff in the Feed Me segment because there is a lot of stuff going on there, but we'll rifle through. We'll get to it because, of course, our social media feeds were just fuego fire always. Just every night there's something else going on. And who knows what you're going to see? You might see Aaron Aflalo t- trying to chop down a big tree with one hand. Are you. You might see Dwight Howard blowing kisses to an opposing coach. Right? There's just so much going on. And of course, as you mentioned, Webby, the all-star starters were announced. So of course, we'll break all of that down. But as always, we start the Ball on Blast podcast with our turn up or turn down segment, which is simple. We make a statement and the answer is either turn up equals good or turn down equals bad. First up, Webby, NBA fights, and the fights being in quotations here, (laughs) NBA fights, turn up or turn down. We had a wild week in the NBA, but where are you here on these NBA fights? We had Ben Simmons and Kyle Lowry. Uh, Ben Simmons kind of telling Kyle Lowry to cash me outside. How about that? (laughs) A lot of stuff going on. Kyle Lowry running outside to wait for him. Right? We had, obviously, the Rockets and Clippers stuff going on. You mentioned Aaron Afalo. Where do you stand on these NBA fights, Webby? Are you turning up or turning down? Okay, well, uh, you know, as a, uh, as a fan of the sweet science, you got to turn down on the actual fights here. Because <laughs> the actual fights themselves are lame all the time. It's a lot of hold me back. Uh, a lot of wild haymakers that have no chance of ever landing. So what I am, I'm going to turn down on the fights, but I'm going to turn up on the stories. Because with every one of these stories, you have some great details. You mentioned it before, the Rockets finding the secret tunnel (laughs) to the Clippers locker room and having CP3 know where this tunnel is, that's, that's some of the best stuff ever. So while the fights are lame, I love all the peripherals around it. Yes. And I mean, I'm going to turn up on this because, as I said, the fights are in quotation. So we're we're saying like it's NBA version of fights, right? And I think the reason why I'm turning up on this, Webby, is because it's a part of the drama that makes the NBA so much more than just a sport to me, right? Like the NBA is a culture. There's just so much going on. There's a drama that goes along with it. It's almost like, you know, people say wrestling is the male uh, soap opera. I kind of feel like the NBA is taking that place. Uh, Completely agree. Completely agree with you. 
which one which one of the fights kind of like stood out to you the most just in terms of we mentioned your Sixers and Lowry obviously a Philly guy the Houston Rockets is that the one that stuck out to you the most well, that one I think had the best story but just for the reactions of the people on the court I think it was the Sixers Raptors I think it was Lowry and Simmons because <laughs> just the, just Lowry when Simmons looks at him and says, yeah, look, we can take this outside, just the look on Lowry's face like, oh, man, I hope he means that I'm going to run right out there and find him. That is so great. But now, everybody's saying that this has just been happening like recently in this past week. But I found that just all this season, it's been really chippy. Like, we had that thing with Boogie and Durant a while back yeah. where Boogie was trying to get at him in the locker room. There's been a lot of this stuff, like people trying to meet other people at the buses, but it seems to be happening this season more than any other season. I have a theory on this, and I think it's because there's a a major generation gap, and I just feel like technology has sort of affected kids growing up, right? And so I, I just feel like there are things that you didn't have to deal with when you were a kid when, let's say, LeBron first came in the league, but now you know, the kids that are coming into the league now, like they're all up on social media, right? Which breeds a sort of a completely different lifestyle. Do you know what I mean? And one of the things I mean about this generation gap, I'm going to go on a little rant here for a second here, Webby, because to me, I think it's about generations. And I've said it before on this podcast and I'll say it again. And I fear this is me get off my lawn here for sure. But (laughs) I feel like this younger generation doesn't know what it's like to get punched in the face. And I don't even mean necessarily like literally get punched in the face. I just mean the threat or the thought of getting punched in the face because you don't fear consequences, right? So you don't have that thought process in your mind that there's a line. And if I cross this line, this person might punch me in the face. And Austin Rivers might be a great example of this, right? Like Austin Rivers of all people, you're hurt. You're injured. You're in a walking boot, and you're going to be talking smack to another like grown ass man when you're not even involved. Like, why are you talking that greasy? And I understand that it's trash talk, and I understand the line of all those things, right? And it's NBA fights, so most often than not, it's not it's not going to get to the point where someone's actually physically fighting. But every once in a while, that G check is necessary. You know what I'm saying, Webby? When it's like, you're, you're talking greasy, but I just have to G-check you and find out if you have that same energy when we're not on a basketball court with a bunch of dudes to hold me back. You know what I mean? We're not playing it up for the camera so you can share it on your Instagram feed. Does that make sense? You know what I'm saying? And I just think that I enjoy, you know, just as much as the whole Trevor Ariza thing trying to bust into the locker room, into the into the Clippers locker room after the game to get at Austin Rivers. Like, I feel like that's what's necessary, the G-check, because there's a generation gap. The older guys, the younger guys, and it's kind of like, yo, man, I'm not here for the gimmicks. Like, you can talk trash, but there's a line. And once I say, once to me you cross that line, we're going to have some words just to make sure your energy is the same. (laughs) You know, your energy is the same when I step to you. That's what I I think is going on. I think there's a generation gap in, in that sense. And that's what we're seeing right now in the NBA. It's like Embiid, for example. I don't know if you saw this, and we'll we'll talk about the All-Star voting a little later. But did you notice that the players actually voted for Kristaps Porzingis instead of Joel Embiid? Did you see that? No, no, I didn't. So 
to me, what that tells me is I don't know if a bunch of the players are down with the spectacle that Joel Embiid is. You know what I mean? Like, he's a good player, obviously, but there's a lot of gimmicks that surrounds it, right? Like, he's always hyping up the crowd. He's always trying to, like, step to dudes, right? And I don't know if that jibes with the people who didn't necessarily grow up in the social media era, right? Like, Embiid is a perfect superstar for that. Does that make sense? Do you know what I'm saying here, Webby? I do, but I'm going to turn this around on you here. That's good. Because I, I, I think that you're right, that there is definitely a generation gap. But I think that with the younger generation, it's this. It's not about Austin Rivers being on the sidelines. Because people are going to talk smack no matter who they are and where they are. I find that a lot of the NBA players, especially a lot of the stars now, are taking way more of this stuff personally. Hmm. They're way more snowflakey and being really offended by what's going on and and trying to make themselves seem a lot tougher because nobody wants to be looked at as the punk. You know, yeah. nobody wants to be looked at as the punk by Austin Rivers. Nobody wants to be looked at as the punk by Joel Embiid because everything that's happening now is being followed and consumed by everybody. Like you said, the NBA is a culture. So if something happens, no matter how small, how minute, it's going to get blown out of proportion. So now nobody wants to be looked at as the fool. Nope. And so what happens is you have all these young guys say, well, I'm not going to take that. We're going to throw hands. But the other thing is, like you say, nobody knows what it's like to get punched in the face. And I mean that more literally than anything, <laughs> because these guys are basketball players yeah. and they all want to be, they all want to be the toughest guys in the room, but they're not. Yeah. They're good at putting a ball on who, listen, I, there are a couple of real tough guys in the NBA. Don't get me wrong. A couple of guys that you would not want to cross. But I would say for the most part, all these guys are holding me back all-stars, man. And they're just trying to make themselves look good in front of any everybody. I, now, obviously, we love it because it's entertaining as hell. This is unbelievable when this does happen. But in real life, man, like none of these people are, are, are really any threats to be doing anything like this. And, and it seems to me like... Now, with the age that these uh, athletes are living in, that it's letting them affect them way more than it did back in the day. Right. Like it's a completely different era. And what you're what you're saying about, you know, having to answer to your boys or these guys going back to the locker room and seeing on Bleacher Report like, yo, this guy punked you. Ha ha. I think you're totally right about that. And I think that definitely feeds into that because nobody wants to be the punk, which to take this another level, too. When we get to the all-star conversation later on, I think that's part of the reason why this all-star draft process isn't on TV either. Because so that's what I was going to bring up too. I mean, this kind of goes hand in hand with all the things that are going on in the league this last little while, even this season. Mm-hmm. It's like, what can these guys not even handle not being picked first or somebody's <laughs> going to be picked last? Yeah. Like, it's unbelievable. These guys have the most fragile egos of some of some of the athletes in the world man it's tough though because i think again going back to this generational thing i think especially a younger generation growing up with social media like we know of a life or i'll say i know of a life anyways webby you're younger I do than as well i'm older <laughs> i'm older than sin absolutely <laughs> But I feel like we still have we still have knowledge of what it's like without social media, right? Which means yeah. there's not somebody there to give you either instant gratification on something or to, you know, oh no, I didn't get likes on this. So this much yeah. must be terrible because I didn't get that many likes on it, right? Like we grew up without that. So 
if you take the generation that did grow up with that, right? Like it's almost tougher for us to acknowledge that or to understand that that point because think about every single thing that you do being shared instantly to not only all your boys to, you know, all your friends, your parents, your your cousin, your brother, like and it's just a talking point right there and you get to see each and every person diss you. Like, remember, we're talking about a generation where Kevin Durant got caught making up a fake account so he could argue with fans that were dissing him in the middle of the summer after he won an NBA championship. Right? Like, I know. Yeah, and it's like, no one of these people that want to have this draft televised. Like I say, they're fragile, man. They're little snowflakes. But I, I like this, and we, we talk about TV a lot, and on this podcast we'll talk about TV and uh, reality TV and why I like it and enjoy that stuff because I like learning about people and how people deal in different situations, right? And so that's why I'm fascinated by these NBA fights because to me it's fascinating to see – different people react in these situations. Like I'm always looking to see, okay, who's the first guy in who's jumping in this. And yeah, you mentioned, yeah. well, you mentioned, you know, there are actually some real tough guys in the NBA, right? Like definitely dudes that you don't like, you don't want to fight James Johnson. We talked about that, right? But they're never the guys who you see throwing or trying to throw exactly. hands. on Exactly. And I was going to bring that up. A guy that we know you do not want to fight is PJ Tucker. Notice how mm-hmm. PJ Tucker's name wasn't involved in any of this stuff. Do you know what I mean? Like we know PJ Tucker's not a dude that you want to mess with, but when they're talking about oh, going to the locker room and, you know, trying to get into the Clippers locker room, I never heard PJ Tucker's name involved in that at all. And going back to what you're saying about real and fake dudes, did you catch uh CJ Miles's he was at Raptors practice maybe like the day after? All that right. stuff went down. And CJ Miles, was, he made the point. He's like, you know, it's NBA. Everyone wants to hold me back. Like, that's all it is. But at the same time, like, nobody's really fighting because, hey, I know your schedule, meaning I know where you're going to be. Like, if it's really a problem, I know exactly where you're going to be on a lot of dates. And all I got to do is just look at my phone and go online and find that stuff out, you know, if we really had a problem. And now when we go back to the generations, we're Toronto Raptors fans, Right. We remember yeah. a dude named Charles Oakley who had certain oh, yeah. games on his calendar circled when, you know, Tyron was it Tyrone Hill came into town or uh, <laughs> Jeff McInnes came into town. And those guys got slapped up before games <laughs> and Oak got That's suspended. Right. did throw the ball at Tyrone Hill's head? <laughs> right? Like, this is what I'm saying. And, and I love the... I love just taking that aspect of it in because I think it's a different society that we're in now, right? And like to see how these people are reacting, I think, you know, all of this fits into the generation gap that's going on. So I'm here for the G check though, when someone's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like, I'm Kyle Lowry, you're Ben Simmons, you're a kid. I'm not gonna allow you to look at me and try to tell me, like, come on, let's go fight. Like, what do we, like, that's not a play play ting. Like, what are we talking about here? Bro, but honestly, like, how about you, you, you don't go run into the locker room, you don't get teched up and thrown out, and you win the game. Think awesome. about all these guys. Think about the Rockets, mm-hmm. think about the Aflalo, and think about Lowry. What do they all have in common? L's. They all took the big L. <laughs> you know, they all took the real L that matters, not the L of like, Oh, you were, we think you're tough because you found the secret tunnel into the Clippers <laughs> locker room. No, you guys got blown out. You're supposed to be one of the best teams in the West. You guys got killed by the Clippers. 
So just to update on like some information here, because I know uh, most people, obviously, if you're listening to this, you know what what went on uh, in that game where the Houston Rockets lost. And there's a lot of stuff going down. It was very chippy because there's no love loss between Chris Paul and Blake Griffin. There are rumors, obviously, that those two didn't get along yeah. towards the end of Chris Paul's tenure. Obviously, we know Chris Paul forced the trade to Houston. And now that was the first game that they were playing against each other since Chris Paul was in a Rockets uniform. And so the game was chippy, as mentioned. And I think really the boiling point at the end of the game was when Blake Griffin Dan was Tony. getting mad at Dan Tony because yeah, he thought Dan Tony like, was on the court. Him or something. Yeah, exactly. So Dan, as Blake Griffin's running down the court, he kind of shoves Dan Tony. Dan Tony's not happy. Those two start swearing at each other. Then Chris Paul comes in. And then that just led to the secret sequence of events where, you know, then you had Trevor Ariza ripping Blake Griffin's uh, tights that he was wearing. You had Blake Griffin whipping the ball at Eric Gordon. Then that led to the Ariza talking trash with Austin Rivers on the bench. But then that night was just amazing, which we'll get to in the Feed Me segment. But essentially, James Harden, Trevor Ariza, Gerald Green, and Chris Paul essentially were trying to find Austin Rivers and Blake Griffin in the Clippers locker room. But not only that, there was a secret tunnel or hallway that led between the visitors locker room and the Clippers locker room that obviously Chris Paul would know about because he what and Trevor Ariza would know about because they both obviously played in LA and played in the Staples Center. So uh, the interesting part of all this, which didn't really get as widely reported, was Stephen A. Smith had his sources where he said the way that the locker room is set up is that there's a training area, right? And that's where the door in the hallway leads to. So door in the hallway into the training area, and then from the training area into the locker room, there's another doorway. But right by that door is DeAndre Jordan's locker. So when those guys came in, DeAndre Jordan got up and he was stopping them and he was kind of like, because DeAndre Jordan's cool with those guys, right? Like there's rumors. DeAndre even, Jordan seems to be cool with everybody in the league. Oh yeah. DeAndre, there's rumors even DeAndre wants to join the Rockets. But in this instance, Stephen A. Smith was saying that uh, DeAndre Jordan got up and he kind of looked at them and he was like, guys, come on. Like, what are you doing type of thing? Right? Like, I'm not, I can't let you guys in here. Like you guys aren't supposed to be here. Like he was like peacemaking, but also being like, come on, you guys aren't getting past me, whatever. But then that just led to more yelling. Cause you had Patrick Beverly, who's a fire yeah. starter. And yeah, he's, yeah, he's not going to take stuff lying down. Oh no. So he was behind DeAndre now yelling at the Clippers that were trying to get in, and now you have a yelling match, and then that's when the police came to sort of escort the Rockets out of the locker room. That was from Stephen A. Smith. But right. just a crazy, wild scene, unlike anything ever heard of in any league. And to me, that's what make the, makes the NBA awesome. We were talking yeah, about... Well, we were talking about the LeVar Ball stuff last week, right? And I tried to talk about, you know, the people that are in on LeVar Ball as opposed to people who are out of LeVar Ball, right? And I said that I think it's a cultural thing. And people that are in on the NBA culture and part of the NBA culture is this trash talking, this like, you know, the Russ KD stuff that was going on all last year, like, right? Like, I feel like this week of stuff that's gone on in the NBA fits right into that. And I'm here for it. I'm turning up on that, Webby. Oh, yeah. That, now, again, the actual fights leave something to be desired. Well, the other, the, the flip side to that, right? I'm glad you brought that up, too, because the flip side to that is I don't necessarily, I can't necessarily say that I want dudes to actually be like full on brawling consistently in NBA games, right? And not because I wouldn't find it entertaining, because 
part of me would find it entertaining, but having those awkward conversations that I'd have to have with people that follow hockey and seem to find fighting in hockey okay, and people that follow baseball and find fighting in baseball okay, but if there's fighting in the NBA, they'll be quick to call them thugs. No, you know what I mean? I'm not looking forward to having those conversations. So I'm okay with the fake fights in the NBA, just to avoid those conversations of, hmm, why are you calling these guys thugs, but they're allowed to fight in hockey, and you guys seem to be okay with that. I'm okay with not having those conversations. So I'll take the fake NBA fights. Uh, agree. Agree. <laughs> and you know what? In any kind of like uh, competitive atmosphere, you're going to have pushing and shoving. That's going to happen. Happens in football. They wear friggin' helmets. It's the <laughs> stupidest thing. You know, so at least, it, at least it's got one up on the NFL when it comes to fights. Exactly. And just to wrap that up, uh, right now as we're recording this podcast, James Harden is back in the lineup as he and Chris Paul and Blake Griffin were not suspended or fined at all. Meanwhile, Trevor Ariza and Gerald Green were each suspended for two games for aggressively entering the Clippers locker room. You know what I love about that is that Gerald Green has been on the Rockets for all of like two weeks. Yeah, whatever his fine is, I hope Chris Paul or James Harden pays the fine for him. You know, or whatever money he's going to lose. If he loses money, you lose money when you get suspended, right? And the other thing was, too, that the Rockets are pretty butthurt that none of the Clippers got in trouble. It's like, yeah, they didn't run into your locker room. (laughs) For sure, for sure. We'll have much more on, like, this whole Clippers Rockets thing, but more from a social media standpoint later on in our Feed Me segment. We'll get to that. But for now, in our Turn Up, Turn Down segment, I think it sounds like we're both turning up on the air quotes NBA fights because they're not yeah. like real fights. They're just NBA fights. I think we're both turning up on that, right? It's great A beef, man. It's great. <laughs> Moving on in our Turn Up, Turn Down segment. Again, Turn Up equals good, Turn Down equals bad. The Cavs should trade the Nets pick. So this comes up because it's that time of year, Webby, where all hell is breaking loose for a LeBron James team. It's the middle of the NBA season. They're kind of in coast mode. But this is a time of year when if you're David Blatt, you might get fired. If, you know, if you're a certain player on the team, you might start to hear or see tweets about you, (laughs) subliminal shots from LeBron James's Twitter accounts or fake stories that are just sent out into the news media just to, you know, put potential trades out there to get everybody on notice. But we're at that time of year. But this year it's a little different because there's the stakes are at an all-time high here. And we all know the Cavs have this Nets pick, Webby. What do you think they should do with this pick? As David Menemann wrote, multiple Cavs acknowledge growing discontent, concern about current state of the team. So basically, yeah. there's articles out in Cleveland.com, ESPN, and The Athletic, all citing high-profile sources on the Cavs, not named, obviously, who believe that this is not just a rut. Like, they might need to actually make a change, or else they worry they might not make it to the finals this year. What do you make uh, of all this? Should the Cavs trade the Nets pick, Webby? Turn up or turn down? So hold on. Before I get to that, the, I, and I think it was Zach Lowe who was talking about this. This is something that you never see in the media when it comes to some of these unnamed sources saying something like this, in that multiple different publications all got this story. ESPN, Cleveland.com, and The Athletic all got it. Usually it's, you know, one of them gets it, and it's a big scoop. But for this to be for all three was 
was kind of crazy to see. Now, uh, do I think the Cavs should trade the pick? No, I got to turn down on that. I, I, I do. Maybe if they could trade their own first-round pick, but you have to start thinking about the future, especially with what's happening in L.A. in terms of David Fisdale's name getting thrown around, the Lakers' job, and we know that uh, LeBron and David Fisdale have a really good relationship. Unless you can get written a confirmation from LeBron James that he's going to stay in Cleveland for more than next year, I wouldn't trade the pick. I 1,000% agree with you, Webby. I will also turn down on the Cavs should trade the Nets pick because, again, unless you get LeBron James to sign his name on the dotted line, there is no way I'm trading this this Nets pick, especially when, you know, all you're hearing about now is maybe you could get DeAndre Jordan. Like, that's kind of the biggest fish out there that you could maybe get. You're kind of hearing boogie talks, maybe, but I don't know if I'm the Pels why I would trade DeMarcus Cousins. I don't know why I would do that. But maybe if you're getting DeMarcus Cousins and you know you get and you get LeBron to sign, no doubt. Nets pick, see ya. Because at least I could focus on, well, you know, if I still have Kevin Love or I still have like what would you have to give up? Would you if you had to give up Boogie, if you had to get Boogie, sorry, you'd probably yeah, have to give up give Kevin up Love. Kevin Love in the pick. Kevin and Love in the pick, Kevin probably. Kevin Love, your pick and the Nets pick. For Boogie? No. You no, think it'd take that well, much, yeah? Well, the, the other thing is, what's Boogie's con- is Boogie a free agent at the end of the season? I will look it up right now. I'm pretty sure Boogie is a free agent at the end of this season. So then he probably wouldn't take both those picks. But then not only do you have to be sure that LeBron's staying, you got to be sure that you can re-sign Boogie Cousins to a long-term contract. True. There's a lot of finagling that would have to go on there for sure. And the 2017, but it would mean it would mean that probably Kevin Love is go, is is the player that goes. Yeah, so DeMarcus Cousins is under contract. This is the last year of his contract. He is a free agent at the end of this season. So it probably wouldn't take you, it wouldn't cost you that much, I don't think. But again, you're right. You need some long-term commitment from DeMarcus Cousins or LeBron James, or else I am not giving up the Nets pick. Because the other thing is this draft is deep, right? There's a lot of dudes in this draft. Now, and I know you love your Trey. Uh, I know you love your Trey Young right now. I'm I'm all in on Trey Young. Yes. Are you really? I'm in on Trey Young. Maybe not so much. Like I'm in on Trey Young, the college player. Meaning when we do our March Madness preview podcast, I will be having them go real far because he's my prototypical guy that I root for and cheer for because I love watching them in college basketball. You're a guard. You have no fear at all. You just yeah, jack up threes shoot from wherever. Shoot from wherever. You're dropping 40 pieces night after night in college in a college game that's 40 minutes long. Like, I'm all over that. Now, will that translate to the NBA? I don't know. I mean, hey, I thought Jimmer Fredette would be great in the NBA, and that uh, didn't really got, happen. I was going to say, I've got three names for you, and I'll put them in sequential order. <laughs> we'll, we'll go from oldest to youngest. We'll go Jimmer. Yeah. We'll go Marshall Henderson, and we'll go Buddy Heald. Woo! True. I mean, very true. I won't. I won't argue with any of those things, right? But the, I, th- I still think the point remains that this draft is deep. The Nets. You don't know where the Nets pick is going to fall. It could be if that's top five, you definitely you know want to hold on to that. Yeah. If that slips a little, I th- even think of it. If it remains a top ten pick, you got to have something that even if LeBron leaves, you still have something left that you're not completely bottoming out just because LeBron James leaves your franchise. So I agree with you, Webby. I would turn down on this. 
I would not trade the pick unless LeBron signs a dotted line, which we all, I mean, we assume he's not going to do, right? Yeah, I'm starting to think that way. I kind of vacillate between, oh, he'll probably stay or, oh, he's probably going. And you know, we talked about that Luke Walton thing last week, and I got to admit when I'm wrong, man, I think he is in, I think he's in big trouble. I mean, having uh, Kyle Kuzma be the only person, as well as, I guess, a genie bus tweet <laughs> to back up your head coach isn't the best vote of confidence, you know? No, not at all. Not at all. You're totally right there. There's just so much going on. There's so many layers to this Cavalier situation. And, you know, this is all happening while they're trying to work Isaiah Thomas back into their rotation. But he's out there complaining because they don't practice. So the only right. runs he's getting is during the games, and he doesn't really look that good in the games yet. So, well, yeah, we know that he can't play any defense, but that and his offensive game is taking a little bit long to. But that's, I mean, that's going to happen when I think you come back from a hip injury like that. Oh yeah, it's going to take a while for him to to get it set. The Cavs are definitely going to have to do something, but it'll be interesting to see what happens next. But switching gears, but kind of the same topic here, because one of the people mentioned in the rumors to Cleveland is one and only DeAndre Jordan, which brings us to our next turn up or turn down topic. Again, turn up equals good, turn down equals bad. This topic, DeAndre Jordan should want to go to Houston instead of Cleveland. Now, this is a thing because your man's during the drama of the Houston Clippers battle, in the drama the next day, which kind of got swept under the rug, Stephen A. Smith reported that he's heard from his sources that DeAndre Jordan wants to be traded to Houston. So this is the question, Webby. DeAndre should want to go to Houston instead of Cleveland. Turn up or turn down? I'm going to turn down. I'm going to say that DeAndre Jordan doesn't go anywhere. Ooh. And I think that he doesn't even go anywhere in the offseason. I think that he's a clipper for at least next year. Okay. He's got a he's got a I do know about his contract that he's got a big old player option yep. for next year. Okay. And I'm not sure that uh free agents this year are gonna be getting as much as they did a couple years ago when we saw guys like Tyler Johnson getting $55 million. Now, as of right now, the Clippers, they're right in the mix in the Western Conference at the bottom of the conference. He knows playing for Doc Rivers. I know that Chris Paul is there uh, on the Rockets, but man, I would be surprised if he left the Clippers. I would totally be surprised if he left the Clippers as well, just because I feel like with what Ballmer's doing, they kind of want to make the playoffs right even though maybe they shouldn't the smart move if i'm the clippers well, what i, I would do talented enough to make the playoffs for sure and i think that if, if i were the clippers i would sell if i could trade deandre i would do it and i would also trade lou williams and sell high on lou williams just because maybe you could get an extra draft pick or something free yourself up because you know maybe with all these guys bouncing around next year maybe you could convince someone to come play with you know, we're talking about everyone going to the Lakers. Maybe you could do a good sell job with Jerry West and Steve Ballmer and Blake Griffin and get someone to sign with the Clippers instead of going to the Lakers. Who knows, right? You're just giving yourself more options. I wouldn't really be stressing if I was the Clippers to, to stressing to get into the eighth seed to just get smashed by Golden State in four straight games. That wouldn't be something that I would want to do. But with that said, you're talking about Doc Rivers and Lawrence Frank probably trying to hold on to their jobs. 
So I think that's exactly what the Clippers will do. They will try to hold on and try to come in eighth and just make the playoffs and call their season a success because they dealt with so many injuries and they still battled back. You know, they traded away Chris Paul. They dealt with all these injuries, but they still made the playoffs. They can call it as a success. I think that will be their MO. In terms I think of- that they, I, I don't think that there's any reason for them to try and get worse. I think they've got a lot of proving to do, especially if they can get into the playoffs, Mm -hmm. see who they face in that first round, and maybe try and steal a first-round matchup. Well, considering everything that happened, hopefully we would get a Clippers-Rockets 2-7 matchup. That would be pretty good. That's what it looks like right now. Like, let's just freeze it right now. That's what what the people want to see. We should just freeze the the standings in the NBA. In the East, you'd have Philly-Boston, Milwaukee, Toronto, Indiana, Cleveland. Now, how great was that Indiana Cleveland game this week? And I told you, Lance to make him dance. The eighth grader, he's got some magic voodoo on LeBron James. <laughs> that was so entertaining. I can't even lie. That Lance and LeBron matchup, like it was so funny because LeBron, you know, he's trying so hard to not let Lance get to him, but Lance is just, he's so good at being a pest. Right? Like it was just so funny to watch it all break down. And another great win for the Pacers or Lance Stevenson over LeBron in this case. You're totally right about that. Those would be some great playoff matchups. But I will say, in regards to this question, if I was DeAndre Webby, I'd want to go to Cleveland instead of Houston because. Now, why? Because you have a better chance of making the finals. Yeah. That's it. That's it. That's the only simple. Answer, you have a better chance of making the finals if I go to Cleveland than if I go to Houston. Houston, I think, don't get me wrong, I think Houston will be good come playoff time, but you wouldn't be that surprised if they got knocked off before they met Golden State. Not you'd, even a little bit. You'd be surprised, but not really. Do you know what I mean? No, like, I, would, I wouldn't be surprised. I would not be surprised if they didn't make the Western Conference Finals. So, I mean, that's that's super interesting. But if you flip it around to Cleveland, you would be surprised if Cleveland didn't make the NBA Finals. Yeah, this year, would we be that surprised? I mean, the Raptors, man. I mean, I know that's crazy to say, but... Webby, it does lead us perfectly into our Wrap It Up segment. Because, as you said, one of those teams that maybe could knock off the Cavs is your Toronto Raptors. And since we last spoke, one of those things that did happen was a Raptors blowout win with the Cavs. I think that was going down while we were taping last week's episode, right? But crazy week for the Raps. They had the blowout win against the Cavs. They had the crazy comeback against the Golden State Warriors that fell just short. A loss to the Sixers on MLK Day. And they beat the Pistons in a grinded out victory at the ACC on Wednesday night. So I'm going to ask you, and maybe, you know, you kind of started that way talking about Cleveland, but what stood out to you the most for the, from the last week in Raptorland? And, you know, maybe to continue from your last point, do you think, you know, the Raps could knock off the Cavs? You're more confident in that now than you were a week ago? Honestly, to tell you the truth, the best win of all those, I think, you might say it's the Cavs, but I think it was that Pistons game. Okay. Just the way that that game usually goes for the Raptors in terms of get out to a big lead, start to bleed it away, close game late, struggle in the third quarter, and then uh, kind of piss it away in the fourth, or get, you know get it real tight and then they win on a last second shot. Mm-hmm. To see them kind of put the foot 
on the throat of the Pistons at home. I thought that, like, that, especially when you consider the last week that they've had, that they needed that win. They needed it, and they couldn't let it slip away like it might have in the in previous years. And I thought that rotation that they have going, it, it works. It was a good win, and against a really good defensive team as well in the Detroit Pistons. Pistons playing a lot better as of late. The thing that stuck out to me the most for the Raptors was the mood of the fan base after that Golden State win, or sorry, after that Golden State loss. See, like, see where I'm going here? Yeah, the mood after is, that was so weird they because do this every year, at least tw- two or three times per season, it's these moral victories and losses. It's like, listen, they, the Golden State has still beaten the Raptors tons of times, and it's like, <laughs> how many times can you be like, well, hey, we we cut it to one, and then the listen, it's really the ref's fault that we lost. It's like, no, man, you lost. I totally agree with you because I feel like after that loss, there were so many, like how many of these tweets did you see some form of, I'm usually not into moral victories, but, and I was kind of like, what? Like, that didn't even make sense. And I felt like we've been talking about the fact that at the start of the year and in the off season, expectations among Raptor fans, like Raptor fans were kind of down because they felt kind of let down because you're coming back with the same crew. You're relying a lot on the kids and nobody knew that it would work this well, right? I'm not talking about Masai and like people in the front office. I'm talking about like people around the team, right? Like the way that things have gone so far surpassed a lot of people's expectations, right? And then that game against the Cavs happens. And I think people go into like hyperbole because now it's way above their expectations. Like, we're used to losing to the Cavs, and now you just ran the Cavs out of the gym. And I think that people were so high off life after that Cavs win that it clouded their whole judgment on the team because, you know, they just went from one extreme to the next, right? The extreme of, oh, we're terrible, we're terrible, to, oh my God, we're really, really good. But it's not really that they think they're good, it's just that they're proving to be a lot better than you thought. So it clouded the judgment of that Golden State game because if I were to tell you, Webby, that Golden State came in on the second night of a back-to-back, right? They start off the first half, they put up 81 first-half points, and then in the second half of a second half of a back-to-back, they kind of let up like not let up, but you know, they kind of took their their foot off the pedal a little and the Raptors played hard, kept coming, kept coming and just fell short. But if I told you a team on the second half of a back-to-back kind of slowed down in the second half, you'd be like, that's what happened. But instead, Raptor fans were such, like I felt like the mood was so focused on, oh my God, what a crazy comeback. We almost beat Golden State. Instead of being like, well, no, like, they dominated yeah, we when the game. We let them off the hook. They were tired in the second half, and we couldn't do it. Yeah, like they put up 81 first half points. Like that is, I've never seen that before. Like that is crazy, right? I feel like when Golden, we know this so much about the NBA, right? There's such things as schedule losses. There's certain things when you know a team doesn't really have it, but they kind of still squeak out a win. And I feel like that was the thing that Golden State did in that second half. They might not have had it in the second half, but they did just enough to get there. And any time, this pisses me off the most, whenever you're complaining about the refs and you were down 25 plus points in the game, like, get the fuck out of here. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, that makes no sense to me. You can't blame the refs ever if you were down 20 plus points in a game and then made a comeback to lose by whatever, single digits. Don't blame the refs. 
And the refs didn't cost you the game. Giving up 80 points in the first half cost you the game. Totally. And this is my plea to Raptor fans. Enjoy your team. There's so much good with your team right now, right? Like the way that the bench is playing, like the young guys have developed and taken another step and they've been so good. Enjoy your team for what that is and the growth of that team. Whenever they, like, if they get to the point where they knock off a Cleveland in the playoffs or, you know, get to the finals to go at Golden State, cool. Like, who knows when that happens? Enjoy it, right? Enjoy that. But right now, enjoy the ride. Enjoy just watching your young bucks develop and applauding your GM for constructing such a good team that's so young and, you know, getting their team to buy in to this ball movement and, you know, everyone being involved and not being so dependent upon one player. Like, enjoy all that stuff, right? Like, don't get lost in the riding the wave of, you know, the hot take. Like, I actually saw people tweeting about, man, the NBA finals against Golden State would be so great. And it's like, what are you talking about? Like, what do you mean the the NBA finals? Like, you know how many things have to go right for the Toronto Raptors to be talking about seven games against Golden State? Like, how did we get to... How did we get to the Raptors beating Golden State three times in the NBA Finals, right? Like, how did we get to that point? That's what I'm saying. Like, just chill out, relax, enjoy the ride. And enjoy the ride. And just appreciate how great this... I don't even want to call it a turnaround because they were so good last year, but just what the changes have been in this team from last year to this year are just incredible. Yeah, and maybe, you know what, Webby, I think it might be one of those things too where, again, going back to what we were talking about earlier, where people focus on the negatives all the time, right? Like, I feel like I was watching the Raps game the other day. It might have been the Philly game. And Siaka missed an open three. He missed like a wide open three late in the game, right? And people were like, oh man, he hasn't hit a three since for so long. And I think even on the broadcast, they mentioned, oh, once he gets that three-point shot down, it's over. He'll be so amazing. And I'm kind of like, wait a second. Why do I need Siakam to hit threes? Like, he's so good right now. And hey, if he hit threes, would that be great? Of course it would. Cool. But like, how about we celebrate just how good this guy is playing defense, how good he is running the floor, the energy he brings every time he steps on the floor. Like, to me, I think he should be taking some of Serge's minutes, right? Like, that kid is so good. And to me, you're doing yourself such a disservice in terms of talking about what he can't do instead of applauding all of the good things that he is doing every time he steps on the floor. Because it's just all hustle, all heart. And these kids are great to watch. Just when the ball is moving, that Raptors offense, it's, it is like the Spurs, right? And because you're, there's no, st- especially with no Kawhi, there's no real stars on the Spurs now, but you're seeing that ball moving and they're still doing a great job and it's more the system. And it's great to see the Raptors kind of develop in the, that same kind of mold. And I mean, like you say, some of these guys that they're, they're bringing up in that second unit are putting some of these Spurs comparisons to Shane. It's like the Spurs wish they had somebody like DeLon Wright. How good has he looked, man? He oh. looks so good. And, you know, Norm Powell, I don't know what's happened to Norm just in terms of he's very inconsistent. He's losing his minutes. I mean, he might get more minutes now that Van Fleet got hurt. But but that's just, hey, that's part of the part of the system. And you know what? Like in this new Raptor system, he's still going to have a chance to earn those minutes back because it's not like they're not ever going to play him. Totally true. 
Totally true. And you know what? We talk about the Spurs, Webby, and you, it, it's great timing because they play the Spurs Friday night at the ACC and close out the second half of a back-to-back in Minnesota on Saturday. And, you know, we talked about this this uh, stretch of games that the Raptors had against over 500 teams. And again, going back to my initial point of, hey, just like slow down, enjoy the moment, enjoy the season, being better than your expectations. And don't don't over jump and start talking about, you know, NBA finals, because when we look at this stretch here that they had against above 500 teams, you're talking about a loss to Miami, a win versus Cleveland, right? A loss to Golden State, a loss to Philly and a win against Detroit. So you're two and three right now heading into a back-to-back against the Spurs and Timberwolves. Two tough teams. Right? And like, two different teams. That's like a, different styles of play that you're going to have to face in the T-Wolves and the Spurs. That's a super tough stretch for the Toronto Raptors, right? And you, you, you hope to get a split in between those two games, but even still, that would put you below 500 against you know this run of teams. And I know you're talking Cleveland and Golden State, but... If your aspirations are making the NBA Finals, as I'm being told by Raptor fans after that Cleveland game, right? Like, you're not losing to Miami. You're not losing to Philadelphia. Like, those are things you can't do. You can't squeak out wins against Detroit, right? So, I mean... All playoff teams, though. All playoff teams. But that's what I mean. Like, just enjoy this season for what it is. Because it's going to be a great season with a lot of close games. But the biggest takeaway should be the the constant development of your kids and your homegrown players, including DeMar DeRozan, who, again, has taken another leap. Again, there's so much to be happy about. Just be happy in that. And don't, don't do the Toronto fan thing of, we're making the NBA Finals. We can beat the Cavs. Like, if that happens, cool. But just, you know... Enjoy the ride until we get there, is what it's Exactly. Uh, other things going on in Raptorland this week. We kind of touched on the Kyle Lowry, Ben Simmons little hoopla webby. So I got to ask you, you're a Philly guy, as is Mr. Kyle Lowry. And maybe Ben Simmons, you know, with his continued good play, might become an adopted son of Philadelphia. So I got to ask your opinion, though. Who you got in an actual fight if Kyle Lowry and Ben Simmons decided to throw some hands. Uh, one of my best friends uh, growing up, uh, shout out to Joe Claus. Uh, grew up with him, went to high school with him, and uh, was born in Olney, Pennsylvania, a neighborhood of Philadelphia. That is tough. And that is where Kyle Lowry's from as well. Okay. There's, I, listen, I know that in Australia, you got to, put up with some pretty crazy spiders and maybe some poisonous snakes, whatever. And that might make you a tough dude, but no, 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 no. As much as I love Ben Simmons, he doesn't want that from Kyle Lowry. I feel too like Kyle Lowry is like the definition of grown man strength. Yeah, I don't know if you have like dad strength. Like it's all, it's all waist down, knees up. That's where that's where his power is, right? Like he might not look like the strongest guy, but I bet you he's just hella strong. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) It's like freeway. You know, like freeway may like may not look like the toughest, but I guarantee. Same with Beanie Siegel. Beanie Siegel never looked that tough, but no, you don't want to mess with him. You don't want those problems. Uh, now, hold on. My other thing, and 
hopefully this will lead us into our uh, feed me segment. Okay. Was the what uh, was uh, our our my former Sportsnet colleague, your current Sportsnet colleague, Evan on the row. Okay. He had one of the best tweets that I saw. Okay, and it, it all it said was choose one. Okay, and on one side it was Kyle Lowry when he had that thing over his head, like the headdress or whatever yes, after yes, the yes. game. Yeah. And on the next one was the hide your kids, hide your wife guy. <laughs> yes. And yes. It, it just said choose one. So you know, I will. Uh, I will tweet that to you right now because you got to see it. It's fantastic. That's so good. That's so amazing because, like, you know, Lowry was he knew those questions were coming that day at practice, and so yeah. he's like, "I'm coming kind of hood to this one here." You know what I mean? Like, like <laughs> you could just put in. You know how people made the meme where they put the cigarette in LeBron's mouth? Yes, yeah. Gets used Uncle over LeBron. and over again. Yeah, you could definitely do that to Kyle Lowry. That could be the Kyle Lowry version where you add the cigarette to Kyle Lowry's mouth in that uh, practice day scrum, for sure. Total jokes. But uh, also some good notes here to, to just bring up in Raptorland. Obviously, we saw Kyle Lowry made a huge donation while he was back in Philly, donating to his uh, alma mater. The which, Villanova Men's Sports Center or whatever it was? I think it, to the locker room, right? Was that what it was? To the, well, yeah. to the basketball program, I think he... Uh, was building their locker room. I think that's what the story was. But either way, donated, I think it was a million dollars to his former university, which is a great, great story. But also the good news, the goodwill, let's say, didn't end there as the Raptors announced that as part of their OVO Welcome to Toronto Nights, which we talked about the jerseys, I think, last week, right? Those yeah, North jerseys, I think we talked about them. Jerseys. Or, I'm not a big fan of the Toronto jerseys. I think that they should have, it should say Toronto and not North on it, but that's a story for another day. But at least it makes me a little more happy now knowing that there's something else behind this other than them trying to sell this North over everything movement that they've been trying to push lately. But as a part of these OVO Welcome to Toronto Nights, the Toronto Raptors and OVO will donate a million dollars to refurbish local courts over the next three years in the city of Toronto, and they will put up $2 million to Canada basketball over the next five years. So Webby, my question is just what, what's your takeaway from this? Like it's been five years since Drake and the Raptors had this partnership where he became the global ambassador. Like, has it been a success? What do you, what's your biggest takeaway from this? So I, I, I wouldn't have said it's a success until this happened. Ah, Okay. You know, I I was one of the big kind of, uh, I guess, haters, you could say, when it came to Drake's global ambassador relationship with the Raptors. Mm -hmm. This is somebody who is like jock sniffer number one. Like, I haven't (laughs) seen this kind of jock sniffing since Ahmad Rashad back in the day. Like, he's got Steph Curry tattooed on his arm and Kevin Durant tattooed on his arm. And like, and then he's sitting courtside for Raptors games. But now I'm totally cool with it because this is such a great uh, program for the city of Toronto Mm -hmm. and to cultivate the sport of basketball in the city. So important for the youth. And hopefully, like I say, you know, this is him putting his money where his mouth is. And that's a great thing. I agree with you that this definitely adds more legitimacy to the whole thing. When this was announced five years ago, right? I remember there were a lot of critics who, 
you know, either because us, like we're part of the culture, right? So either, you know, you like Drake and what he is or you don't, right? But there's like at least substance behind it because you're coming with information that you have, right? Like, you know that, okay, he's a fan of all these different teams. You know his music and you have an opinion on whether you like his music or don't like his music, right? But at the time when this happened, I felt like there were a lot of people who had no idea about who Drake was or kind of what he meant or could mean to the culture. And they were kind of shitting on this when it happened five years ago. And I remember being so mad, but also it's an interesting point of why it's important to have diversity in media and the people who cover these things. Because I remember a lot of the talk from the sports writers in this city at the time, who I'll leave nameless at this point, but they were shitting on this because they were kind of like, this is an actual tweet that I went back and because I remembered having this argument with someone online. And an actual tweet was, the Raptors better hope Drake is still a thing in 2016. And I remember getting so mad at that because I was just like, why would you say that? Like, what, what makes you think that a 26-year-old at the time would slow down you know, and why would you even put that into the air? Like, this is a kid from our our city, right? Like, right, trying like to why, do something good. Why would you want him to fail? Yeah, why would you put that negativity out there? You know, like, why would you even put that into the air? Like, it just made no sense to me, right? So, everything that happened along the way, and obviously I don't agree with everything that happened, right? Like, we know that, you know, one day he's a Kentucky fan, the next day he's a Heat fan, next day he's a Cavs fan, next day he's, you know what I mean? Like, we know all that and we see all that, and... Obviously, the games that he's actually showed up to, the Raptor games, have been a lot less frequent over the years. But there's still enough along the way that I think is like pretty cool, right? And I think like OVO designing the jerseys, whether you like them or not, it's definitely a cool thing. And I'm saying cool not for me, but I'm saying for the younger generation going coming up, right? That they find cool that you know you have these OVO inspired basketball courts or uniforms or even when the Raptors first made it back to the playoffs and they had those OVO t-shirts they were giving out for playoff games like that was pretty cool and I think those things are cool like during the playoffs when uh, Jurassic Park was first hitting and he came out at halftime and performed at Jurassic Park in the freezing cold for all those fans that were out there in the rain right like watching the game like that's pretty cool and there were enough of those things along the way And I think it just added to the exposure of the Raptors because there's no doubt that whatever he does courtside ends up on ESPN, ends up on Instagram as we were talking earlier, right? Right. Which might be even more important. I think putting the Raptors in that light added more legitimacy to it. Like it added a cool factor to the Raptors that you can't really put a dollar amount on. Now, to follow up on your point here with this topic of, you know, the donations to the courts in the city and Canada basketball. Now you're actually putting a dollar amount on that. And I think that part is so important because, you know, we talk about, like I grew up in the inner city and struggling to find basketball courts to play on as a kid that people that lived across the street weren't complaining to the city. And then next week the court was shut down. So then we didn't have some place to play, right? Like I dealt with those things as a kid growing up. So the ability to hear something like that now, someone with the means and the profile to say, hey, this is something I'm going to do for my city. That's pretty cool. And I agree with you that, you know, this is really dope. But the other thing I want to bring up is the Canada basketball part, because this country supports hockey, obviously, and no one's going to take anything away from that. I'm not saying anybody shouldn't do that. Like, obviously, Canada is hockey. But as we look around, Canada just won like the U19 in football. I was going to say, it's starting. 
right? Canada won the U19s in football. I bet people don't really know that. We know that R.J. Barrett led Canada to the U19s in basketball as well earlier or last year, right? Like we are seeing these NBA guys and it hasn't really culminated to success for Canada basketball yet. And I just think that this move with the Raptors and Drake combined just can maybe add more legitimacy to the program Canada basketball that I really hope over the next couple years really starts to legitimize itself and gets more buy-in from corporate sponsors. And again, we're going back to that cool factor, right? Like we can't quantify that and we're just dudes that maybe like hip hop and whatever, but we know that there's some old dude right now that's like the CEO of some big time company that's like, oh, you know what? Drake's cool. I want to be associated with that too. I want to throw some money in and also support Canada basketball. You know, like, I think that's the kind of thing that we could be looking for here. And maybe right. it does. We get to a point where we get the players to show up. If Drake, yeah. if they come with some OVO red and white jerseys, like, you know, maybe we're not worried about maybe is Corey and Wiggins going to show up. We know they're going to show up because it's a cool thing now to rep your country. I just think this is a great thing. And that's why I wanted to bring this up. And I'm glad we're on the same page on this. buddy. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. they're on the right track. And like you say, just kind of having that groundswell of support that they got for that under-19 team. Mm -hmm. uh, they, they got unbelievable support all throughout Canada. And I think that you're going to see that seed start to grow. And like you say, some of these Canadian players that are in the NBA now are going to see what happened and the coverage that the under-19s got and start to gravitate towards that national team again. For sure. And, you know... I'm going to call myself out a little here because I mentioned the guys program and the guys program hasn't had anywhere near the success as a women's program. Right. So this is also a big thing for the women's program at Canada basketball as well. That's been doing really a really, really great job over the past few years. So this is a good boost for them. And hopefully it helps just the development of our kids because we support all of our kids, no matter what sport it is. We'll rest. listen. It's getting boring to watch the uh, States just, uh, run rough shot again after a couple of down Olympics. Yeah, they need some, uh, they need some competition here from Canada. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully. Well, it was cool to see, you know, all this talk of Drake and Drake and Masai posing for the pictures that flooded our social media accounts, uh, yesterday, actually, when they had that press conference, but it didn't quite make it into our feed me segment, Webby, because there's so much other action that went on in the NBA. As once again, our feed me segment is just the best and worst, I guess, at certain points, the best and worst things that come across our social media feeds from the NBA in the past week. And we talked about it earlier, the brawl, or lack thereof, of the uh, Clippers and Warriors. And the reason I bring this up in the feed me segment is because this was one of the great nights in NBA Twitter. Did you, were you up that? I know you, you work early now. You work early yeah, mornings. Yeah, I'm so. nine to five, man. There's no way I was up for that. So I was off that day. And so when I'm off and especially even when, you know, Sunday nights, I'm always up because I'm always like getting prepped for the week ahead. So I'm, I'm always up till like two, three in the morning, despite the fact I have to work the next morning and be up at probably like nine o'clock. I'm always up late. So that Monday night we were off and I was totally up watching the game, watching all the drama go down. And because we live in Canada, that game ended and there's nowhere to watch any post game. So no, of course. Yeah. Right. There's nowhere to watch any post game. Right. And so that you was knew the best part too. I mean, I heard that 
Chuck and Shaq were just on fire. Oh, so here's the thing. I'll give you the full breakdown of how these things went down, Webby, because so the game ends and you know that it was highly contested. You knew there was a bunch of stuff and you know the post game was going to be fire. So you're kind of I was I just wanted to watch the post game scrums and stuff because you knew someone was going to say something crazy. But little did we know what was actually ahead of us. And the first thing that came out, there was a reporter named Ashley Brewer. And I'm sure her mentions got lit on fire because she was the first one that tweeted out that there was an altercation. But her report was the altercation was in the Rockets locker room and Chris Paul was upset. Harden tried to calm him down and it turned physical. That was her first report. So imagine, you know, you're just chilling, whatever, about to go to bed maybe, and then that pops across Twitter. So everyone is going crazy trying to figure that out. And then very (laughs) soon after, the one and only Woj comes out of nowhere with actual names of what went on. So it's about 1.20, 1.30 in the morning, and Woj tweets out, Houston Rockets players, James Harden, Trevor Ariza, Gerald Green, pushed into the Clippers locker room post-game looking to confront Austin Rivers. League sources tell ESPN, security escorted Rockets out before anything turned physical. Follow-up tweet. (laughs) Shout out to Woj, by the way. Rockets players were clamoring for Blake Griffin too. League sources said, Chris Paul also entered the Rockets players through a back door, or sorry, through a back hallway that connects teams' dressing rooms. So now NBA Twitter... (laughs) It just set ablaze all the way until the morning. I'm assuming you woke up and saw all this stuff on Twitter. With me. Like, <laughs> yes. What yes. was that like for you? Well, uh, amazing. Uh, I, I check my Twitter when I wake up. Not right when I wake up. That'd be a little sad. <laughs> just kind of after I shower, before I'm, uh, as I'm getting everything ready to go out, and I just saw the Woj tweet, and I shook my head and I was like, "Wait, what happened?" And then it was, then I saw the secret tunnel and then I had to see the names and I was like, I was like, Gerald Green, really? Gerald Green's been on the team for like six days. It was so amazing. And obviously, because it's the NBA, the memes started to come, but you know, the players were joining in on it. And that might have been the thing that made it so crazy as well. Like, because you know, the jokes were coming and there were people making the memes of, you know, Migos when Migos were trying to fight Joe Budden in, yeah, uh, in academics, you know, there was that meme, but the players got into it. Like Blake Griffin, just, he sent out the gif of uh, the Joker walking away after he blew up the hospital in the movie. <laughs> you know, then there was the Twitter account HP at HP basketball that said, I think the ranking of things that happened that night was one Capella use it, use as a diversion Two using a secret tunnel, three, it being Austin Rivers, four, the (laughs) cops being called, five, this being done by the president of the union, six, Austin Rivers didn't even play, (laughs) right? Like, everything that was going on in the jokes, Webby, that was a thing too. So now picture the whole basketball Twitter up, that's still up at like 2.30 Eastern time, a.m. in the morning, following along to see Austin Rivers tweeting out some of these memes and gifs right now, two laughing emojis, LOL, I didn't even play tonight. I was a guy with the boot slash cast on. Ha ha ha. (laughs) This is at 3.30 a.m. in the morning. Patrick Beverly tweeted out, it's a different culture in LA. No more soft shit here. Like, Webby. (laughs) 
What do you make of this? Like, this is what, going back again, this is what makes the NBA great. No, you're absolutely right. Uh, it's just how instant it is now. Yeah, and like everyone's sharing the memes of, you know, Tom and Jerry, the secret passageways, and like just all these different memes flying around. It was honestly the great advertisement for what NBA Twitter is. If you're not familiar with what it is, it was so good. But also for me, why it's in this Feed Me segment is because it was the only way that I was able to keep up with it and I did keep up with it, was because of social media and online and Twitter. And God bless the uh, inside the NBA or NBA on TNT Twitter account, because as things were happening on that show, they were just sending it out on social media as well. So you're seeing Barkley and Shaq just laughing their asses off at the fact that the cops were being called, right? Because these are dudes that actually fought in games, right? Like Barkley's yeah. a dude that threw a dude through a window because he was bothering him on the street. So imagine these guys now covering a game and as all this post-game talk is coming through that the cops are being called? Amazing. Uh, the absolute best. The NBA never like right when i think I'm, I'm surprised by the nba i get one upped each and every week just by some crazy ass story that you're just like where did this come like how is this a thing there's so many angles to that whole thing that clint capella was using a diversion which i think <laughs> someone kind of someone said that wasn't true though right i think that was refuted but how does that even get out there i don't even know like and the fact that Woj is the man that he's all over everything like there's so many levels to this, so many angles to this. The Chris Paul salty post game. <laughs> Did you catch that where he said he he said Lou Will is their go to guy and yeah, they should so run everything it, through him? It's Lou Will's team. <laughs> salty Chris Paul. Do you like salty Chris Paul or what? Uh, I, I don't know any other kind of Chris Paul. <laughs> I mean, it was so good. And Blake Griffin, Blake Griffin's response when they asked him what he said to Trevor Ariza. And he's like, oh, I was just making sure he's coming to my birthday party. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the NBA is the best. So good. But that was just the, the tipping point of uh, our Feed Me segment because, again, well, one thing. I kind of want to make an aside here because while I was happy that this could be a part of our Feed Me segment, I should be able to see what's going on on my television with a cable package that I pay a lot of money for. I should be able to see somebody talk about the fact that a dude took a secret passageway and went to another locker room to try to confront the other team. I should be able to hear someone talk about that, but that's a story but, for another day. Yeah, exactly. We don't want to get into that quite yet. Not going to open up that can of worms. Instead, we're just moving to the next thing in our feed me segment. Hey, can, can I say, uh, my feed me just quickly for of the course week. Was the, of course was the Dwight can. Howard, uh, uh, Free throws. So good. So break it down uh, what happened for me. So they're playing the Wizards. It was Charlotte and the Wizards. And uh, I think MKG got fouled but got hurt mm -hmm. and couldn't take the free throws, which means that the opposing coach gets to choose a player from the other team to take the free throws in his stead. So Scott Brooks does the smart thing and says, okay, but we want Dwight Howard, notoriously bad free throw shooter to take the free throws. So what does Dwight Howard do? Knocks them both down, uh, then blows a kiss to Scott Brooks on the sideline, walks to the bench, and does the Sam Cassell 
big nuts gesture. <laughs> it was fantastic. Dwight Howard is such a jackass. <laughs> no, for real. Yeah. Though. Oh, oh man. Like I okay the the have your celebration. I get it because you know it was a twenty point blowout, and I don't know which which feed were you watching that on? Because when I saw it online, it was the Hornets broadcast. Oh, I just saw the I just saw the gift. So I saw it on the Hornets broadcast, right? Like that was what was shared on Bleacher Report or whatever it was. And those dudes were upset. They had like Dwight <laughs> Howard. They had Dwight Howard's back so hard. They were like, "This is a, this is total disrespect for a future Hall of Famer. This is a guy wow. that's done so much in this league, and you're gonna disrespect him like that in a blowout game. He thinks he's done for the night, and he's one of the older players in the league. And once you shut it down, it's so tough to gear back up and come back in the game. No, they were so upset. Meanwhile, I'm like, yo, this is hilarious. Like, why are you guys so serious right now? <laughs> but the big boy dance really was that necessary? fantastic it was great <laughs> it was just great yeah man's dwight howard so you're you're for dwight howard's big boy dance were you for russell westbrook's outfit that he showed up to last oh, night against the know, lakers I, 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 absolutely i was that guy can do whatever he wants fashion wise so i mean obviously this is uh an audio medium when you're listening to this podcast so us talking about an outfit that I'm struggling to come up with the way to describe is very tough. But if right now, as you're listening, you just Google Russell Westbrook outfit, I'm pretty sure the first thing that'll come up will be his outfit that he wore to the Lakers game against Oklahoma City on Wednesday night. And it was it was something. I don't even know what you uh, called it. Did you ever see the movie American Beauty with Mm -hmm. Kevin Spacey? Yes. Okay, remember the kid was filming the white plastic bag blowing in the wind? That's what Russell Westbrook looked like. That's amazing. Webby, that's good. That's good. I was going to say it looked like something that uh, Meryl Streep was wearing in the Devil Wears Prada. Like one of her Ooh, There you go. Yeah, absolutely. Like it was just, okay, Russ, I, I see what you're doing here, Russ. I mean, hey, more power to you that you are confident enough in yourself that you can put that on knowing that it will go everywhere. Millions will watch it on TV millions more will see it on social media and Instagram and thousands will make funny memes about it forever. But more power to you, Russell Westbrook, because I like that he lives by the moniker. Why not? Right? Why not? Why Why not? not? (laughs) Uh, One last feed me here, Webby, that I have, unless you got some more here. But no, that, that was that was my big one. I got one more here, and the question is simply, what do you make of this tweet from Isaiah Thomas? So we touched on this last week, the whole Isaiah Thomas, Paul Pierce uh, thing going back and forth, because if you remember, earlier on this year when the Cavs made their first trip to Boston, Isaiah Thomas did not play. And so the Celtics had scheduled to play a video for him, a video tribute for him during that game. But since Isaiah Thomas wasn't playing, and his family wouldn't be in attendance, he asked that it be postponed until the next time the Cavs come to town and he would actually be playing. Problem is, the next time they're in town is February 11th, which happens to be Paul Pierce's retirement. So this tweet comes out a couple days ago, and it brought the story back to light. And Isaiah Thomas said, quote, I'd like to thank the Celtics for their gracious offer to play a tribute video on February 11th, celebrating my three years in Boston. But since it appears it it has caused some controversy with Paul Pierce's night, 
I'd ask the Celtics instead to focus all of their attention on number 34's career. Webby, I'm what you- so done with this story. Talk to me. Talk to me. I, I don't care anymore about tribute videos. <laughs> I don't. I don't. I don't care. And now Paul Pierce is getting spicy about it. It's like, bro, this is this, this is what we were talking. This is a great way to bookend our conversation because this is what I was talking about with the fights. Mm-hmm. It's that everybody is so uh, freaked out about not being seen as the number one alpha dog thing anymore. Yeah. And it's like, oh, now we've got to make a tribute video to this guy. It's unbelievable. It's like, who cares, man? It's so true. And the interesting part about this to me was that uh, Jackie Mack, Jackie McMullen, once again, and we talked about her either last week or a couple weeks ago on this podcast, as we know, great reporter, but she did a story on this where she talked to Paul Pierce and she found out that Paul Pierce said, quote, Danny and I talked about it for 40 minutes. He told me, this is what we have planned. And at the end of the conversation, he said, if you don't want us to do Isaiah, we won't. So I told him, I really don't. So that was it. That's how we left it. So that story coming out led Jalen Rose to a very interesting segment on uh, ESPN Countdown, where Jalen Rose and Paul Pierce are both analysts. And the the topic came up. They were talking about it very openly. And Jalen Rose called Paul Pierce petty, like to his face, and said he thought he was being petty because at the end of the day, Paul Pierce's jersey retirement was happening after the game, whereas the Isaiah Thomas thing, it's going to be during a timeout probably. And so he thought Paul Pierce was being petty. Do you agree with Jalen Rose here? A little bit, yeah. But again, man, it's... What are we talking about here? <laughs> We're talking about a tribute video. It's like, it, it means absolutely nothing. And the fact that, that Paul Pierce lets this get under his craw just shows me that he's, he, he's lost out on the, the competitive uh, battles going on in the NBA. Like, this is a, a, a big zero for me. It was so weird, too. And I, your point earlier, Webby, about you know, this is all just an ego thing and nobody wants, everyone wants to be the top dog. Like it was funny because in that piece, there were other quotes too from uh, KG and Rondo and they were like kind of dissing Isaiah and talking about like, well, he only played three years and we celebrate championship trophies, not like just making the playoffs. Like you're only there for three years. Like, what is that? You know? And it's kind of like this dumbass like competition, right? Where like, it shouldn't be a competition. Like, this is so dumb. Like, why can't you celebrate any, like, all things? Like, who cares? Like, what is a tribute? Again, what is a tribute video? This is all pretty dumb. I think Jalen Rose is right, and they're all being petty because even Isaiah, like, you know that he was trying to just get ahead of the story and be like, oh, I told them not to do this when really they probably weren't going to do this. You know what I mean, Webby? Like, I think he's trying to get ahead of the story, but... right. In the end, I also think we're all just being duped. You know why? Because February 11th, if I'm not mistaken, I'm double-checking it right now as, we, as we're talking, but I'm pretty sure that February 11th is an ESP, or no, it's a weekend. It's like a Sunday game, and I'm pretty sure that it just happens to coincide with this game being an ESPN game, or an ESPN oh. slash ABC game, Right. And so what do we know that ESPN does so much better than anyone else? They promote their products. 
and they found a great way to turn this whole thing into a storyline. And yep, February 11th at 3.30 in the afternoon, Cavs at Boston on ABC. So what have they done? They've just done a great job of promoting this game a month in advance, having everyone talk about Paul Pierce's jersey retirement, Isaiah's return, all that stuff. Genius marketing by ESPN, if anything, no? Uh, absolutely. And now we got everybody just watching us for a stupid tribute video. <laughs> I could not care. I could not care less. <laughs> I can't believe this is a story. I really can't. I love it, Webby. I love. That's I love why I get off by lawn moment. No, Webby. I love when you give us the real, right? That Webby. That's why we come to you, Webby. We come to you to get the real talk to find out what we really think about some of these topics that become talking points on a day-to-day basis. But another thing we also try to do is get the talking point from the people and find out what the people want us to talk about. And this week, Webby, in our Ask on Blast segment, the same way we wrap up every week here on the Ball on Blast podcast, we got a question from Drew. And Drew wants to know, what do you think of the new All-Star Game format? So... The starters were named today, and for the East, there's LeBron James, Kyrie Irving, Giannis, DeMar, and Joel Embiid. In the West, it's Steph, KD, James Harden, Anthony Davis, and Boogie Cousins. Over LaMarcus Aldridge, very strange to me. No? Oh, you got beef with that? You think LaMarcus should take out who? Probably Boogie. Probably Boogie, okay. I, I, I know that Boogie's been having a great season, but what LaMarcus Aldridge is doing with the Spurs right now is is pretty wild when you consider just a year ago, two years ago, that relationship didn't look like it was going to end very well. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty interesting, too, just to take a little aside here. Uh, the story came out earlier this week that Pop said when Aldridge came to him and said he wanted the trade, Pop kind of looked at himself and said, oh no, like I messed this whole thing up. Like this is on me. This isn't on you. I messed this up. The way I was using you was incorrect. The way I was coaching you was incorrect. And he like took it upon himself to like sort of change things. And so, you know, seeing how things have played out this year, especially without Kawhi Leonard is such a testament to why the Spurs are the Spurs and why pop is a real G right? Because not only to admit to LaMarcus Aldridge, hey, I messed up here. Like, this isn't on you. This is on me. Let me try to fix it and acknowledge his mistake. But to be able to come out publicly and discuss his own flaw is so counter to everything else we've been talking about in this podcast, right? To like, do you know what I mean? In terms of like people admitting they're wrong? No, yeah, you're absolutely right. right. It's so cool to hear that. But you're right. No arguments here if uh, it was LaMarcus or Boogie. But my guess would be that LaMarcus Aldridge would be named to uh, the selection, like the rest of the team, the rest of the roster next week. So next week you find out the reserves. But getting back to Drew's question of the all-star format, for those who don't know, so LeBron James and Seth Curry are now the captains. And... Unlike normally when you have East versus West, what's going to happen here is they're going to pick teams, the two captains. After the first round of picking the starters, then they'll pick the the second round will be picking the reserves. LeBron James, because he was the overall vote leader, will pick first. And Steph Curry will pick first in the second rounds. They will alternate until all the players have been selected. And by the end of the draft, each captain will have 12 players, the captain himself and 11 teammates. and 
you must have a minimum of three guards on your roster by the conclusion of the draft. So no more East and West. We're using captains. Webby, what do you make of this new All-Star Game format? Yeah, I like it because you got to change up something because the All-Star Game is getting stale. It was getting super stale. And you know what's crazy about this, Webby? This All-Star Game is in L.A., and I'm trying to remember what year it was. It might have been 2011, but... I think it was 2011, the last time the All-Star game was also in L.A., and at that point, I covered that NBA All-Star game, and the story that I did that year, All-Star weekend, was interviewing players about copying what was then the NHL's model for how they did the All-Star game, which was selecting captains and picking teams. That was a story I did the last time the NBA All-Star Game was in LA. It was about what if the NBA adopted this model and decided that they were going to pick teams. And I asked different guys like who they would pick first, what they thought about the idea. And LeBron, I remember LeBron liked it. Uh, I remember uh, most of the guys were kind of like, oh, that'd be interesting, right? Like it was very interesting to see like it piqued their interest then. But it's funny to see now, however many years later, this is actually something they're going to do. But the one thing I do want to bring up why he's always my dude, Webby. While I was doing this interview, it was with uh, Mello, actually. And I asked Mello who would be his first pick. Mello said he'd pick me on his team. I told him I, <laughs> I told him I have a good jump shot. So I try to, you know, just sit in the corner and drain some trays for him. But Mello That's told me he'd that pick me. Mello can appreciate. Right? I told Mello. I mean, Mello would probably take all the shots and not pass me the ball, but I'm okay. I would... <laughs> I would hustle on defense, right? I'd hustle on defense for our team. There you go. Uh, the other funny-ass story from that, which, like, I don't even know if I've ever told this story on the podcast. So that All-Star game was in L.A. again, right? And it was the pregame show or whatever was sponsored by T-Mobile or something. or I can't remember who it was. But anyways, instead of having a red carpet, they had a magenta carpet because that was the color of whoever the sponsor was. So they had this big red carpet event, and I remember I was working with my cameraman at the time. If you remember, our guy, Ryan Stratton, who is an am amazing dude, a great dude. But it was so funny because at the time, what I told him to do, and it's a red carpet, so it's completely random, meaning you don't really know who's going to walk the red carpet. Guys will probably stop at certain points, but they're not going to stop anywhere, everywhere. So you kind of got to like... You know, you got to shoot your shot and hope a guy stops for you and you can get some questions with them, right? So my story at the time was talking about the NBA's dress code, which was fairly new. I think it was like a couple years old, but at the time, though, NBA fashion was a big thing. And right. this is like pre-Russell Westbrook really taking it to the next level. But this was when like guys were really starting to have fun with the dress code, right? And so my instructions to Stratton, who is in the a very interesting guy to begin with. But let's say, let's just say he's a partier, likes to have a lot of fun, but sometimes might be a little aloof at times. So my instructions were simple. It was, okay, guys are going to be coming down at any second. So just as soon as you see anyone that you recognize, because if he recognizes someone, like he'll recognize Kobe, he'll recognize LeBron, he'll recognize most of the big guys, right? So I'm like, definitely if you see someone that you recognize, just start rolling. And because I don't know if they're going to stop, but if they do stop, they're only going to stop for us for maybe 30 seconds. I'll get two questions in and we won't have time to sort of be like, hey, are you rolling? Let's go. So he's like, yep, no problem. Cool. Sounds good. So we see LeBron James coming, right? I'm like, yeah. strats, strats, LeBron. So he's like, yep, yep. LeBron comes walking towards me. 
Okay, LeBron, and I'm standing beside another media outlet that I'm not going to mention just for the sake of the story, okay? But it doesn't really matter. But LeBron now, as he walks, he stops, he points at the guy beside me, and he goes, nope, I don't like you guys. The score, I like you guys. I'm going to talk to you guys. And I automatically, like, freeze because I'm like, holy (laughs) shit, what is going on right now? He's like, yo, what's up, my man? We, like, do the dap. We do the whole dap thing. I'm like, Hey, what's going on? How you doing, man? And like, I'm like, obviously he knows the score, Mike from cabbie, right? Like cabbie's a legendary guy that's done any and everything everywhere. By that point, he's had all the big Kobe interviews. So definitely LeBron has the recognition of the Mike flash from cabbie. So he's like, Oh, the score. I know you guys, I'm going to talk to you guys. So we do the dap. And I'm like, after I like gather myself in like 2.5 seconds, boom, do the interview. We start talking about, you know, dress code, who's the best dressed, all that. Great sound, great video. I'm like, I'm like hype at this point. So I turn to strats. I'm like, yo, man, that was amazing. We got that, right? He's like, yeah, man, everything's cool. I'm like, yo, that thing off the front end, that might be the best promo the Score Television Network has ever gotten in our lives. And he's like, oh, I wasn't rolling, man. I only started rolling like just before you started asking him the questions. And I'm like, what? <laughs> like, what? What do you mean? He's like, no, I, I saw him coming and I was trying to get it going and I just didn't get it like started in, on time. And I'm like, uh, oh my God. Like it was just so, and like in the moment I was like, what the fuck? But literally we're on the red carpet. And like at that point, someone else is coming like two seconds later. So you don't even have time to like take it in. So it just kept going, right? Like someone else yeah. came down, uh, like whoever came next, probably D Wade or Bosch or someone, right? And we just continued doing interviews. And after the fact, like, it was just funny. Like, I wasn't mad because, like, he got the interview, right? So, you know, did the feature. The feature turned out great, whatever. But that is still, like, my one story. Well, the one story I'll tell on air about our trip to LA and Austin <laughs> weekend. But, um, no, that was just one story that stands out to me so much from that weekend. Just the greatest promo ever that never was. <laughs> Good times, but are you in on this All Star Weekend? What What are yeah, your thoughts on All Star Weekend? It changes it up, and I think that the keeping it fresh is definitely what they got to do. Yes, keeping it fresh, and you know, one way to keep it fresh for sure is to try this out, and maybe guys will be more invested to try. You know, if they're if they're playing, you know, against like if we watch Russ have to go against KD, maybe they'll try. As you know, maybe if. Who knows? I don't think Blake Griffin will be an all-star, but maybe he is. And maybe him and Chris Paul are on different teams. Like, There's yeah. so many levels to this that could make it interesting. Obviously, LeBron and Kyrie. I highly doubt LeBron's going to pick Kyrie. You know, like There's so much here. I'm looking forward to All-Star Weekend as always. And I hope you are as well, Webby. Uh, absolutely, man. Uh, it's, you know what? Though it's always kind of a little bit uh, anticlimactic, I find. Yeah, I mean, it's tough because you never know what's going to happen each year, right? Like, I don't think, you know, going back to the All-Star game in Toronto, let's say, we thought the dunk contest might be okay, but it turned out to be one of the best dunk contests ever, right? And then coming off of that, the next year or last year was kind of a letdown, right? It was kind of like, that was kind of whack. So that part of it's always kind of, who knows, but hit or miss. But this one in L.A., we're hoping will be big. The stars will definitely be out because the NBA, again, is a crossover thing into culture. So you figure the who's who will be littered courtside for that game for sure, right? Oh, yeah. There's, the star power is going to be locked. The star power was locked. 
for All-Star Weekend. And, you know, hopefully next week, the star power will be locked here again on the Ball on Blast podcast, Webby. What do you think? Yeah, man. <laughs> next week, we'll go through all the next fights that go on in the uh, NBA. Yes, next week, we'll go through the next fights, and we'll probably end up breaking down the full All-Star rosters that I think will be out next week. But as always, until next time, for the Ball on Blast podcast, my name is Sean Alexander, and you can find me on Twitter at Shell Alexander. I am Andrew Webster. You can find me across all socials at a Webster 84. And as always, we are the Ball on Blast podcast, unpolished and unapologetic. Until next week, see ya. Peace. Ball on Blast.